0: You're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things, and this is Ryan Airy from Screen Crush with your mom. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special bonus episode of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we usually recap all of the week's nerdy news, but tonight, we've got something awesome for you. My name is Greg Hall, and alongside of me, as almost always, the best damn voice in the business, Sam Atora. We have the meat. Oh, wrong commercial. And joining us tonight is the reviews editor for GamesBeat, one half of The Last of the Nintendogs, one half of GamesBeat Decides, one third of the 90s Disney podcast, and one of the Beef and Cheddar Boys. We're honored (laughs) to be joined by the insanely talented Mike Minotti. Mike, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to this conversation. We've been uh, amping it up on the pod for the last couple weeks. Uh, I've been amping up in my head for even longer. So I appreciate you finding some time with us tonight. And uh, let's just kind of dive right in. I'd kind of kick myself if I didn't start this interview off with, to me, the most important question we could possibly ask you. So, What's Puddingway Way up to these days?
1: What's Pudding Way? He's living his best life in Old Charlie, and he's, he's eating uh, the pudding at that restaurant. I think he works for that restaurant there now, and they, they pay him in pudding. So Pudding Way is fantastic. I got my little Pudding Way buddy on my, my desk. He's always staring right at me. He is just, he's just the best. I love Pudding Way.
0: <laughs> For those of you who are like, what the hell are you talking about? Uh, Games Beat Decides does their annual Game of the Year recap, but they also do like other little awards, favorite character, this, that, and the other. And Mike, you voted Pudding Way from Final Fantasy XIV as your favorite character of the year, so I knew I had to. Best,
1: best that. character of 2021 is this little bunny person from Final Fantasy XIV who just, really likes pudding and in like the British sense of pudding where pudding just means all dessert I think but maybe especially pudding pudding I don't know <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh no. for, for real quick though but real quick but for the folks that don't know Final Fantasy 14 at all is it true that everybody has just like what they do and then the word way is their
1: last name all these bunny people do yeah, yeah. so like well like that's like the joke is you meet all these people and it's like cooking way and it's this is the person who cooks, and there's, like, like looking way, and they, like, look at the stars, and then it's, like, it's pudding way. And they're, like, <laughs> gotcha. what? He didn't even know what pudding was, and you, like, teach him, and then he's, like, oh, yes, pudding, very good. That Yes, I'm glad my name is Pudding Way. It's, like, okay. Because <laughs> it, it was an important uh, moment of discovery and
2: learning. <clears throat> now, we know you're an Arby's guy. <laughs> What's the go-to order?
1: It's pretty standard actually. I'm uh, I'm really simple.
2: I-, I feel bad that it's not a beef
1: and cheddar since we call ourselves the beef and cheddar <laughs> boys brought. me and my co-host Jeff Grubb but it's usually just a classic roast beef sandwich and curly fries. Then I'll get my either I'll switch between the Diet Dr Pepper or the Coke Zero. The diet cola options at Arby's can't be beat. They're the only place that have both Coke Zero and Diet Dr Pepper. Usually you're stuck with just I, Diet Pepsi yeah. or Diet Coke and that's just not enough.
2: I agree. I don't know any other restaurant or fast food that has Diet Dr Pepper. It's and
1: it's it's a it's amazing. It's a such a top tier move. And and
2: Greg, you know, like I never used to drink Diet anything, and Kelly drinks Diet Dr Pepper, and I drink it now. So there's that.
0: Yeah, I was recently turned on to Diet Dr Pepper myself. But Mike, I know you're pretty passionate about Coke Zero and what they've kind of done to the zero sugar thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I love Coke Zero. That's always been my go to. I don't like the recent change in branding. The change isn't very substantial. It tastes slightly worse. Not much. I don't like how they got rid of the black can. The black can was so iconic to me. Now it's like when I'm in the grocery store, I have to stare longer because it looks exactly like, like, except I think the letters are black now. It's just, I don't, I don't like it. I'm not happy about it, but what are you going to do? I tweeted angrily at Coca-Cola. So like, that's all I could do. It's out of my hands now. You you did what you could.
0: Right. It's funny because you train your eyes and you kind of know your grocery store. So you know where to look for on the shelves. Then you're like, wait a minute. You have to do a double take almost just to make sure that, you, that they didn't take away your product.
1: Yeah, I'm very lazy. So I only just recently took down my Christmas tree and I actually had like a Coke Zero ornament in the old style and it made me sad for a bit. I was like, man, look how much better this looks. Nice. They uh, it's did you try the the new are you a spicy food guy? No, I I used to like spicy food. I have Crohn's disease, and one of my triggers is actually spicy food, which is a bit of a bummer now. So everybody was begging me to try that Diablo sandwich from Arby's. They wanted yep. me to try it on – like even my brother was like, you need to eat that on your podcast. And I was like, I can't. And he's <laughs> like, health. oh, yeah, but you should do it. I was like, I will get sick. He's like, ah, oh, but it'd be pretty funny. I started getting mad. He's like, I'm, I can't do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh, not to get too personal. I have a really bad case of IBS. I've been on like clinical trials and stuff for it. And I can't do spicy food either, but I don't listen. I'm nah. 30. I'm 33. I should be better than that. And I'm not. So I only eat spicy food and I have no plans for like four days.
1: There you go. Um, <laughs> I, I
0: also want, <laughs> I also want to try those the brisket. I think it's brisket and chicken. Um, but yeah, so. Before we kind of dive into everything else, how about that Nintendo Direct from Wednesday yeah. night? What did you, you think about it? I was uh, watching the the last of the Dogs reactions. What jumped out of you from that Direct?
1: Uh, gosh, I thought it was a really fun Direct. You know, there's a lot of surprises, which I think is good. And it's both big surprises and small, weird supp- surprises, right? So, you know, like you got Mario Striker, You get mm-hmm. Xenoblade Chronicles 3. Then you also get, like, Klonoa um live a live or i guess live alive it's called i don't know but like live that's live, like yeah. A, yeah. out of nowhere that is getting this gorgeous uh remake it is so gorgeous i was actually furious about it because it just it upsets me that square enix seems to be doing a much better job remaking live a live instead of final fantasy 6 like final fantasy 6 is just getting that lazy pixel remaster crap that kind of looks ugly and live a live meanwhile is looking as good as Octopath Traveler, so yeah, you that have
0: that man. HD 2D style, which I love so much, and it does look amazing. Live Alive is the first time it's available across the pond, so well, I guess say across the pond in the West, so mm-hmm. that's pretty amazing. I'm with you, Strikers. We so Sam and I did like a two hour recap last night of the direct, and we we put it out and we put out our top three announcements every time there's a direct or a state of play or, or something like that, and so. Uh, both of our number ones unanimously was Strikers. I'm such yeah. a Strikers guy, and I saw your reaction to Strikers, which was fantastic. You were like five seconds behind Jeff, so I was like, <laughs> "Jeff, don't spoil it." Don't spoil it.
1: What's funny because I never even played Strikers until recently. Um, somehow I just missed that series. I had Sega Soccer Slam on my GameCube, and that was the yeah. soccer game, I, which was also a good game. <laughs> I missed Strikers, so but uh, like uh, a few months ago, when it was the GameCube's um what 20th anniversary, I actually did like a, a big stream for it and me and Jeff played uh, Strikers together using the Dolphins weird internet thing, whatever they have there. And it was the first I played it, we had so much fun. And we were really like, man, they own next level games. People make this. They better just be having them making Strikers. And lo and behold... It's what happens. We we're just very happy to see that happen.
0: Yeah. Next for me is Punch Out. That's like my number one. And next level obviously made the Punch Out Wii right. game. And they put that in Luigi's Mansion 3 and one of the. So I'm Oh, those praying. movie
1: posters, that was so great.
0: I'm I'm just praying that Punch Out one day makes a comeback. So um I'm a big mother guy, so I got my announcement, even though go. it's just on NSO for Earthbound. But there's still hope. There's still hope for me. Sam now uh i I like you, Mike was very, very excited for klonoa. Sam doesn't like it because he doesn't like to say the word klonoa
2: Roger like I don't like Klondike bars. I feel like I'm going down that road and it, wow. it doesn't fit with me. Wow, I mean if it makes you feel better, Klondike bars are not in the game, so don't
1: <laughs> worry, they can't hurt you that helps that helps a little there yeah, you'll be fine. uh I
0: had thought it was one of the better directs that's like a non e three direct, obviously, they go all out every June except for 2020, unfortunately, but, um, they usually go all out for those, but like those random kind of February, September style directs. This was my favorite one since probably March of 18 when they announced smash bros ultimate at the very end with the Inklings. So I'm, I'm hyped. There was something there for everybody. Nintendo switch sports, like the most obvious thing in the world. came
1: Out of nowhere. That was really neat. And
0: and it was so, uh, it was so obviously missing. And there was a lot of rumors about, you know, one, two switch going to sequel, what have you. And, for right. It to turn out to be Nintendo Switch Sports and to watch Koizumi and uh, I believe it was what Takashi or something playing volleyball on a Nintendo Direct was, was, great. was wild to me.
1: Yeah, I certainly uh, tell you what, I certainly am glad that we got that instead of a one-two Switch too.
0: <laughs> me, me too. It's one of the only Switch games I've ever traded in. I'm not a trade-in guy. <laughs> I just couldn't with that one. But without giving away kind of any industry secrets or anything behind the scenes at games beat whatever you can share what's your process on something like covering a direct or a state of play or even like an e3 because again like i said i watched your reaction video uh for the last few directs and it kind of looked like a good controlled chaos you and rachel and jeff are going back and forth who's going to take this story and this that and the other i loved it but how frantic is that for you
1: It's not too bad. You know, it's weird. I don't have I don't think I have too many strengths as a writer. But one of them is I do pretty well with those live events. I can write very fast, it turns out. Uh, But I'm also pretty. We we prep a lot. We usually make a spreadsheet with either stuff that we do know about. Either we get an embargo or there's leaks or it's just really common sense uh, or our best guesses. And we'll pre-write what we can. So, like, I, like my, my joke now is I have the Hollow Knight pre-write for a Silk Song. <laughs> think. three keep, years. I, right. I keep refreshing it. But, you know, like, in that story is, like, the details. Like, this is when the last game came out. This is what we know about this one so far. And now they're announcing blank, 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 right? Then you can kind of go in. You can put in the key details. And you can add in whatever. You already have your SEO tags and all that stuff. So Right. We prep a lot, and again, we don't prep for everything. It's not like we have one for Pikmin 4 or for F-Zero or for stuff we're really not expecting. Like, we didn't have uh, Switch Sports pre-written, stuff like that. But I think, you know, Jeff might have even had a pre-write for Mario Strikers. I think he was really being optimistic about that one. But that's really what it is, is that we pre-write what we can, and then otherwise, we just kind of see who is available for whatever got announced. So, like... uh, when Klonoa happened, I was like, ah, I finished my last one. I can get Klonoa, I guess. And sometimes there's like a priority system, right? Like, uh, if 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 I was busy and everyone's busy, we would have been okay not covering something like a Klonoa, right? But when Xenoblade Chronicles 3 happens, somebody better write about that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, how did you end up with uh, Speed?
1: Gosh, it's, uh, it's interesting because I'm pretty lucky in that. I've had a pretty straightforward ca- career track in video games. Um, over 10 years ago, uh, some ex-EGM guys, uh, like like Dan Shu, Damien Lin, opened this website called BitMob. and It was this whole community-focused thing where anybody could write stories. And then they had editors that would like cherry-pick the best ones and put them on the front page. But it was, it was basically like a free-for-all. Yeah. But they did have a few interns who would regularly write for them. And they would always have stuff on the front page. And um, I was at college at the time, majoring in writing and basically had no idea what I was going to get through that. And I liked EGM a lot. I knew those guys. I liked one up.com a lot. Uh, they did the best video game podcast in the world back then with like one up yours. Yeah. So I just started emailing them. I don't know. My like gimmick was you need a gimmick. I had a lot of gimmicks back then. So my one gimmick was that I didn't use any screenshots in my stories. I just drew all of them very badly. <laughs> so that was something. And then I just started emailing them every single day. And every single day, I would say something funny about why they should bring me on as an intern. So eventually, m- more so than any actual like skill or anything, persistence went out. Like, well, if he really wants to come here that bad, there must be something to that. So then I started as an intern there. And eventually Bitmob is- got bought by VentureBeat. And that's almost been like 10 years ago now. So continue being an intern at venture beats, which owns game beat. And then eventually from there to part-time to half-time to full-time. So like, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm almost afraid to say it. I've somehow have never been laid off into video games, media in over 10 years, like knock on wood. That's kind yeah, of I'll a rare, on weird thing.
0: Congratulations. That's pretty awesome. And you get, again, you started from an intern role. Um, Again, like you said, persistence. And now you're the you're the reviews editor for GamesBeat. Could you kind of describe to our audience like the roles and responsibilities of that? What is a reviews editor?
1: Yeah, well, it's kind of strange because the things have been expanding so much. Um, So as the reviews editor, I'm the one who's talking to a lot of these. Publishers directly checking in with codes. They Sometimes they just notice any codes. Sometimes it's like, hey, Elder Ring's coming out. When's the codes going to be here? Mm-hmm. And then just talking to everybody, including our staff members and our freelancers, figuring out who's going to review what, just keeping track of it, talking with them, editing those things, getting those things ready. Uh, but you know, lately I've, I've been doing a lot more general editing. Um, our, our, our old sort of managing editor actually left a few months ago. Instead of replacing him, we just brought in another staff writer and kind of split his duties amongst, amongst all of us right now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a bit of an inmates running the asylum thing right now where like none of us have a, have a boss <laughs> inside of Gamespeed. but it's been, it's been going, it's been going okay. But yeah, there's been a lot more just general editing for me. I probably do more editing than anyone else on the team now.
0: It's funny that you bring up the inmates around on the asylum and you're the one that got them in Nintendo jail, Mike.
1: <laughs> I did. I know. Oh, gosh. I felt so bad about that. It's been almost over a year now since I've been in Nintendo jail, which I still can't <laughs> believe of all the jails to be in. I'm in that one.
2: How, how, you, how, how long are
0: you, are you in, in there for? And you have a Nintendo podcast.
1: <laughs> I know. Well, so I even kind of said it the one time. I was like, hey, like just saying our Nintendo podcast is doing pretty good. So whatever <laughs> you guys want to, you know, send us codes ahead of time again, that's okay. So what happened was uh, is the review for, for Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury. And it, Nintendo has very long embargo sheets with a lot of things that they don't want you to talk about. It's stuff you wouldn't expect. Most embargoes are just, here's the day you can publish your review. With Nintendo, it's like, you can't talk about uh, the color of Bowser's eyes in Chapter 5. Stuff like that. So, and I worked on, I was working really hard on that review, and I was probably down to the wire. And then I went to go see when the embargo was. And when I Googled it in my email, I think I just got the reminder from them about the thing, which didn't include all the details of the embargo, so, I just set my review and it published. And I said two things on my review that I wasn't supposed to. One, how long it took me to beat Bowser's Fury. And two, how many cat shines were in Bowser's Fury. And this, they did not like that. They were very upset. Um, and, like, you know, they had a, like, I did break the embargo. They're not wrong about it. But I also was trying to be like, you know, nobody's hurt here, guys. Like, it's okay. But no, they weren't happy. I got a call. Apparently, it was specifically Nintendo of Japan was very unhappy that I I said these things. I think they were very insecure about people perceiving Bowser's Fury as like not a full release game. But everybody knew it wasn't that. So I don't know. They were being weird about that. Uh, I think they like they didn't want to trick anybody to think it was a longer game. But I don't think they wanted to go out of their way and say that it was like this side campaign thing.
0: Yeah, which turned out to be one of the best experiences of
1: mario <laughs> i gave the game a perfect score too in my review but they, yeah uh, they weren't happy about breaking the embargo i know it's funny because i love that game but i have this weird relationship but all, all nintendo jail is, is they, they do not give us codes ahead of time right now we get codes the day they come out which for us it's not that big a deal um game reviews it's a weird thing for the reviews editor to say they're not a huge traffic dr- traffic driver anyways It's not paying our bills, so that's fine for us. Uh, You know, uh, it doesn't doesn't really bother me. It's kind of worse for them because, again, we like Nintendo games. We tend to review them well, but if they don't want us to review them, that's okay.
2: (laughs) Now, besides that review, what's one review when you were, you know, a games journalist that either you wrote or someone else wrote that stuck out to you? Gosh,
1: gosh, this one that I wrote, someone else wrote. It's weird because just the... I hate that it's the controversial ones, but those are the ones that yeah. just stick out. Like, Jeff did a couple of ones that he gave 3 out of 5 to. The funniest one was Cyberpunk. Cyber.
0: I knew that's where we were going to go. <laughs> right, <laughs> <I> just <laughs> knew it. It's the most infamous one you all have,
1: well, before the game recently. Before the game came out, he gave it a 3 out of 5. It was just like, this game's kind of buggy and not that good. And people were furious with him, like, how dare you? This is going to be the biggest game ever, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he's getting all this crap. And then the game comes out and we all know what happens. And then, like, suddenly.
2: Should have been mostly, 2 or 5.
1: Yeah, they got very quiet. <laughs> or some people were even like, I can't believe you gave it a 3 out of 5. You should have given it a worse, right? <laughs> the other one was Jeff gave a uh, Returnal a 3 out of 5. Which, like, to this day still somehow uh, means that we are all anti-Sony fanboys. And, like, that whole thing has been weird. Uh, even though, <laughs> again, like... Microsoft
0: pays your bills. Right, like
1: six months later, we gave Ratchet and Clank a five out of five. It doesn't matter. We did. We, we dared to not, like, Returnal. And then recently, I gave Forza Horizon um, five, a four out of five, and people were kind of mad about that. People were more mad that I had a line where I said, I'm not really a car guy, but I like this game. Like, I can't believe they had a non-car person. <laughs> Review this game. I'm like, dude. There's like three of us here. None of us are down like at combat. the shop working on like, you know, the uh, the oscillators. Is that a thing that cars have? Do cars have oscillators? I don't know. I'm not a car guy. But I'll play <laughs> Forza Horizon anyways. Fuck you.
0: <laughs> I can't wait to see your GT7 review.
1: That's what I'm, I'm all about. Well, I say because, uh, you know, I did a preview for a preview event for that recently. And, you know, that, the Gran Turismo guy, he's all like, this game is about teaching people why cars are great. And he's making all these overtures. Like, we want to get non-car fans into this. I'm like, am I going to get yelled at for saying I'm not into cars even for this one when the whole <laughs> point of the game is to, like, teach people about cars? And the answer is probably yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> before we uh, before we kind of dive into the Disney podcast you do with your brothers, let's talk a little bit about the gaming pods you host. We've alluded to them multiple times. I'm speaking of Last of the 10 Dogs and Games Beat Decides. Games Beat Decides was started actually right around the same time we started this podcast. We started in July of 16. You guys, I think like September, October, November, somewhere around there of the same year. But how did Games Beat the Sides and also more recently The Last of the Nintendogs come to be?
1: Games Beat the Sides was mostly driven by Jeff. We, we Me and him have both been kind of fans of podcasting, and we both were fans of the, those old one-up podcasts that I already talked about, or just, you know, shows in the style of that, or of, like, you know, giant bomb casts, or what, what have you. And Jeff was the one that decided what me and him were going to really... Uh, we we're, were just going to go do it, we were going to do a podcast. And he kind of had... It's called "Games Beat Decides" because the format was we said like have a lot of like topics and we decided things. You know, now it's just more of a general news show and a big question and answer segment. The weird thing is the show didn't really catch on until a couple of years ago when Jeff first started getting some of that insider information. He started posting some of those leaks, and it was just you know it was so weird because all of a sudden we had all of these people watching live. It's really just picked up the energy of the show. Like I said, the, that question and answer segment is such a big part of it now. It's what makes it uh, so much fun to me. And then Last of the dogs, we, we, we talked about how we kind of wanted to do a Nintendo-specific episode at some point. And we thought that would be fun. And we were f- floating around names, and I came up with Last of the Nintendogs, and I thought that was funny. And we didn't really think too much about it. But then when they announced the Switch OLED, I was literally just like, let's just do it today. Let's just start that podcast right now so we can talk about the Switch OLED. Let's just go right now and then uh that's what we did and uh, then that's been going since then and it's been a really kind of fun companion piece or kind of its own thing but um it gives us a chance to just really zero in on nintendo which me and him both love a lot
0: yeah and they're available so last of the nintendogs is available on tuesdays you can watch it live if you uh, are on youtube um you can listen to it on the player widget on games beat you can listen to it anywhere you get your audible goodness Usually that same day, which is great because I do, you know, when we put our kids to bed, I come downstairs, I clean up, I do the dishes, this, that, and the other. I prefer companion podcasts or Tuesdays. I know it's Nintendogs Fridays. I know it's Games Beat the Sides. So that's always fantastic for me. I will say this. You know, this sounds like I'm kissing ass, but I promise I'm not. Two of the best intro songs for a podcast (laughs) I've ever heard. I never, ever skip the beginning of your shows. I usually hit the 30-second button at the start to skip whatever. For you guys, every time I love the music, man.
1: Gosh, there's that F Zero one for um, yeah, for, for uh, a beat decides. The funny, they're both Nintendo. They're both done by this uh, this YouTube kind of arranger who went by It's in the Rain. Just says he actually just stopped, so I don't even know if his channel is still around. But he just did these amazing um Nintendo remixes. So yeah, we have the F Zero one for Last than ten dogs. That we have Babam Battlefield for Last than dogs. Yeah. I always jam out myself even a little bit. It gets me going.
0: It does. And it's cool because I love that you have the rhythm of when the when the brass hits for the F-Zero one, then Jeff comes in with, it's the internet. You're busy. Let's do this fantastic intro. It's kind of like, we've done the same intro for six years. So we're we're with you on that. I, I mean, <laughs> so good, good for you on that one, man. Uh, just congratulations on the shows. Again, I urge you all listening to this podcast to please, if you're a Nintendo fan, even if you're not, last of Nintendo Nintendo's great content. Mike alluded to it. The listeners and the the audience really drive these shows. It's kind of 50-50. Half the show is the news. Then the other half is you know uh, questions. It's super chats. It's a topic of the week, especially for the Nintendo show. Overrated, underrated, this, that, and the other. So if you're into those things, th- there can't miss podcasts.
1: Thank you now, so much.
2: It's so much. It's so nice when other people plug my stuff for me. <laughs> <laughs> now speaking of Nintendo. Nintendo is the only one of the big three that you actually dedicate your own separate show for. How come just Nintendo? Gosh, it's because I'm a Nintendo
1: fanboy, and I don't even... Like, like, I'm only in gaming to sabotage the other two and propel Nintendo upward. I know uh, yeah, it. I don't... I think it was just, again, because me and Jeff both have an affinity for it. I mean, I have an affinity for all of them in so way. Honestly, when I was growing up, I was a Sega fanboy funnily enough. That was yes. where my heart really was. I slept with a Sonic doll. I had a Sega Saturn, all that stuff. Um in fact, it took me a bit to forgive PlayStation. I always blame them for the death of sega so for a while there i was like a, I was like a bitter i still had a playstation but i was bitter about it
2: i can tell by the tone of your voice you're still you're still playing. yeah oh yeah it's still yes yeah, there's
1: still scars there but yeah you know there is still something about nintendo especially right now because the switch has been so good like if it was the wii u era we probably would not have wanted to have started a nintendo podcast yeah. They have been on on such a roll lately. We've been enjoying so many of their games. We And they do have such a rich history you can also go back to. It's not just a current event show, right? Like, if you're doing an Xbox show, that is largely a current event show. Mm-hmm. PlayStation, pretty much, too. Not as much. There's still more stuff to go back there. But Nintendo has a richer history than any of them. And I'm really a big retro gaming fan, so that's a big part of the appeal for me.
0: Same, yeah. And so... That's probably the piece that appeals to me the most about Nintendo is, you know, Sony dropped their first console in 95 or 96 when I was three in, you know, 1990, that's when we got our NES. So like you talk about my first memory is playing Contra of all things. So, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's just the legacy of Nintendo and why I kind of have the infiniti- affinity to it that I do. Um It's funny though, that you mentioned being a Sega fan. I did. I, did I hear right that you in grade school, you like drew a Saturn logo and they got to use it on a spelling test?
1: Yeah, with third grade, it was like everybody got to draw like a picture for the spelling for like the spelling test that we would do. And other people are like, you know, drawing like a Power Ranger, or Mickey Mouse. And I drew the Sega Saturn logo and just put some horizontal lines around it so you can, you know, write your test answers on it. And yeah, you like bring it in, they photocopied it in and I just remember thinking, even then, this is a weird thing. Like, all these kids in this class are just drawing around this Sega Saturn logo that I drew. That's what I was into.
0: And they picked it, like, over Mickey. That's and- awesome. Well,
1: to be fair, I think we each got a turn. I don't, even <laughs> know. I don't think didn't like win a contest. <laughs> it was around. just my turn. I was like, this is the bullshit you're getting from me.
0: <laughs> That's funny, Mike. Hey, we're about halfway home on the questions we had prepared for you, so I'd love to hear uh, your social media. So our listeners have had 25 minutes to get to know you. Now where can they find you on social media?
1: Yeah, just find me on Twitter at tolkoto. T-O-L-K-O-T-O. That is my handle. It's it's that same thing for Twitch or whatever else. When I was 15, I combined Tolkien with Miyamoto, and I got Tolkoto, and now I'm stuck with it. Which <gasps>
2: explains that. why when I Googled it, I got no results. <laughs> <laughs> now, your games of the year list was Halo Infinite, Metroid Dread, and Final Fantasy XIV Endwalker. What mm-hmm. were other games that were on the list but just didn't make the cut?
1: Like, didn't get quite that high? Gosh, yes. there's some... Yes. Yeah, there was... Ratchet and Clank, I'm shocked it didn't end up being yeah, in my same. top three. Because when I played it, I absolutely loved it. And I thought, like, this could be... Game of the year very easily. This is if not that, probably number two or number three. Yeah. Um, I, but Metroid was so much better than I was expecting it to be for like a modern two D Metroid game. And then hey, I'm not even a Halo guy. I've never liked Halo very much, and somehow I absolutely loved Halo Infinite. Its campaign was great, and I play the multiplayer all the time. We do these um GamesBeat community nights with uh with a lot of the people from our GamesBeat community and Jeff Grubbs Discord channel, and we all play Halo together. And that's just been, been a ton of fun. So, yeah, that, that's that been a big part of it. I guess you know, maybe it's because maybe timing hurt there a little bit. Another one that timing probably hurt is Hitman 3. I loved Hitman 3. I like all of those games. And part of me is like, this year we're finally going to give Hitman its due. We're going to make it yeah. Game of the Year. Because, like, one of these games deserves to be Game of the Year. Damn it. Those games have been so good. And then we got to it and... Um, gosh yeah we had so many good games last year it was just it was just difficult
0: january releases are tough though i mean with hitman it it came out so early in the year we're blessed this year with pokemon legends arceus i think that game is going to be in the minds of everybody come game of the year season i don't know how much it's going to win to me it's the most addictive pokemon game i've ever played and pokemon is my number one favorite franchise on this planet so you know i'm having so much fun with it um but i feel like if hitman came to game pass a little earlier in the like in the year and more people had a chance to a remember it, but B because I think the whole collection came to game pass recently or is coming. So
1: yeah, the trilogy, they call it now. Yeah.
0: I feel like that maybe would have kept it in the, in the minds of people. Yeah. The voters, when it came to the, the end of the year, I mean like my list was different. I mean, I had number three, I didn't expect this at all. When this game got announced, Sam and I hated on it. You know, admittedly had no interest, but it turns out that Guardians of the Galaxy was one of the best experiences I had I keep all year. I hearing
1: that, and my brothers are furious at me because um the one of them gave me their copy, so I have it. And I was like, they gave it to me in begin December so that I could play it and so that I could consider it for Game of the Year stuff. And then I just spent, like, all of December playing Final Fantasy fourteen. so I, I yeah, it. And yeah. it's still on my to-do list, but again, that to-do list keeps getting uh bigger because we're already getting... A lot, there's a lot of February games, man. It's going to be keeping uh, everybody busy now.
0: Horizon, Elden Ring, all of it. So, yeah. And we have. Um... Who needs sleep? Yeah, right. Yeah. I'll tell you, the. the uh, I agree with Jeff on this one. I've said it before, too, on this show was Drax was so good in that game.
1: Damn, man. I need to play it. I'm, you, I'm you mad. Really I'm going do. to get what, to it. What console? They like, uh, got Xbox okay. That's Series nice. X is what I have uh, it for.
0: My number two is, ironically, uh, Kane, a Bridge of Spirits. And I don't hear anyone talk
1: about that game <laughs> i played it i did like it a lot i thought it was uh really fun really especially for an indie game it looks really cool it was nice to see that like an indie studio can make a zelda or a it's even more, it even reminds me more of beyond good and evil right yeah it's so cool to see that style of game instead of you know so much soft so you think of indie platform game you think either 2d side score or top down zelda inspired things so it, it was an uh,
0: ember labs first game too so to come out yeah. swinging like that was great the visuals were just off the charts and everybody makes the easy comparison to a pixar ga- uh, like a pixar movie type deal i thought that that's spot on and i'm okay with it that was nine of the most yeah. like unique hours i had spent in the game world and to me a game doesn't have to be super long hell i loved resident evil village and i beat it in nine hours and to me Like, it's not about the length of the game. It's about the time you spend in it.
1: Sometimes I'm quite happy with shorter games. There's a game I'm reviewing right now that I'm almost like this game's Like, I don't want to say I wish it was shorter, but it's going to be a long game. And I'm like, I do not know if I'm going to make the embargo for it. And you should probably figure out what game I'm talking about if you think about it. But I'm
0: not I'm, I'm not even going to take a guess out loud, but I think I got it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, uh, but, you know, kind got some flowers at the uh, Game Award show, like not Game of the Year or anything like that, but it, it indie pretty indie. much swept the indie indie like indie debut game, too. Mm-hmm. So it, it got some recognition there. Yeah.
0: And, and to me, well deserved it. If there's one knock on it, it's probably a little overpriced. Just a smith. I think it's like
1: forty bucks. And I was about to say I'm showing my my game journalism privilege here, but how much did it cost? I yeah, don't forty know.
0: bucks. I bought it on launch. That day. is, yeah,
1: that's pretty steep for what. I mean, it's hard to say because it is like you know it looks so good, and it's like a lot of people had to spend a lot of time making it, just like anything else. But yeah, it is shorter. It is a quote unquote indie game.
0: Yeah. Uh, so on the the, oh, I, I hope with this next question we get to spend a little bit of time here on this topic because. When you agreed to this interview, the first thing I said to Sam was, We are asking him about this, and I oh hope boy. we have a good discussion. Oh, uh, no. what I actually said was we gonna grill his ass, is what oh I my actually God. said.
2: I'm scared.
0: Um, it's, nah, it's no, nah, nah, don't worry. Oh <laughs> man, uh, on The Last of the Nintendogs, a recent topic you had was most overrated game. Oh no. And your choice was <laughs>
1: Oh no! Is this? Oh no! Are you like the two biggest Goldeneye fans in the world? Is this your is
0: choice was Goldeneye.
1: <laughs> oh no! What have I done?
0: <laughs> I, I will admit. So I said earlier, I'm 33. Sam's 32. So it is a product of our nostalgia. I understand it. We grew up in the 90s. To us, it's the best decade. I mean, I grew up. With, I'm
1: 35. I'm I was there too.
0: I just meant from like an overrated underrated standpoint. We Sam and I had a discussion on this podcast about is it our nostalgia. Of, as to why that game is good actually your interview uh, when we announced it on our pod is the reason we even had this discussion in the first place of like is it nostalgia or does it hold up and that's what i want to talk to you about like i i understand for the three of us it is a product of our nostalgia but why do you believe that golden eye is i won't say it's definitively the most overrated game you're on a podcast in front of a bunch of people that was your answer at the time but at least it is to you overrated in some aspects why do you feel that way
1: Okay, so again, I think I maybe had some privilege here because, like, in nineteen ninety, what seven or ninety eight, when GoldenEye came out, I had a decent PC at home,
2: mm-hmm. so
1: I was already playing stuff like Quake, Quake two. I mean, Half Life was nineteen ninety eight, right? So I think I was just spoiled. Like, I was already yeah. playing some really good first person shooters with mouse and like WASD controls. Yeah. And then you had GoldenEye, which was impressive for a console shooter, but was still pretty clunky, uh, kind of ugly. And you know what? You know what everybody loved was, like, the split-screen multiplayer, and that was kind of fun. I was also often playing it with, like, my older brother and his one weird friend who scared me and would, like, twist my nipple if I <laughs> shot him right. So maybe that's that was, that was a bigger issue there. I guess my argument for it being overrated is that I don't necessarily—I I think that— First-person shooters would be exactly where they are right now if GoldenEye never existed, and you can't say that about a Halo. You can't really say that about uh, a Half-Life or a Half-Life Two or a Doom or, or some other ones like or Call of Duty, like Modern Warfare. But I think if you don't have a GoldenEye, that genre would have progressed pretty much exactly the same.
0: I was hoping you say that. I was literally that's the answer I was hoping you would give, and. I didn't, I promise you, I didn't plan this out. I, and it might not even make total sense of my counter argument, but you talk about PC and Quake and all those things, but not a lot of folks did have that. And when I had my PC games growing up were Backyard Baseball and Deer Avenger, not even Deer Hunter, if anybody remembers those games. And so I didn't have the experiences of Doom and Quake and everything like that. You say that FPSs may be the same with or without Goldeneye, but Goldeneye literally spawned perfect dark and
1: that perfect dark matters oh no
0: <laughs> <laughs> i you're not going to get an argument from me on perfect dark i think it is the inferior of the two and that probably is nostalgia talking it's not my favorite i'm looking forward to the reboot of it for sure right. but i i think there is a differentiator if that's a thing between first person console games and first person pc games i think console shooters did learn a lot from Goldeneye. I think Halo even took a little bit from Goldeneye from a multiplayer perspective. I know that the multiplayer in Goldeneye obviously it was local and obviously it was like kind of thrown in at the very last second of development. But from a console perspective, I map design, I'm not I don't disagree that it is not the prettiest game. I would totally agree with that. And you know, to have an odd job in the game
1: alone is
0: <laughs> is, is G- well, I mean, hey, it's cheat
1: code. <laughs> it's I don't I don't necessarily mind that stuff so much like you know those little quirks and whatever that's fine but I, I guess the argument is does does go and I lead to Halo right because that's a trajectory at least for the console FPS side of things which was its own which kind of separate uh, trajectory than it was from PC But I guess my argument is that Halo was itself more of a reaction and a byproduct of PC shooters. Like, Bungie themselves made marathon for Halo. And Halo was designed for, actually, Mac at one point. It was going to be a a mouse and keyboard kind of a thing that sort of got moved over to Xbox because Microsoft came in and bought Bungie. Now, I'm sure that they probably did look at GoldenEye and there probably were inspirations there, Um, but it's not like GoldenEye had the twin-stick shooter thing. I think GoldenEye, if it contributed to Halo, it was probably in terms of, split screen multiplayer and how that could be fun and how that could be a big deal but There's would you agree- to that.
0: but would you agree though that for the majority of people the multiplayer is the reason you play halo
1: yeah oh yeah for sure uh so, def- yeah
0: so from that at least from that aspect because i don't think anybody's sitting here saying yeah i beat i unlocked the pyramid sure. in goldeneye and i beat the fret the frigate or whatever in 33 seconds and got big head mode or in you know they're not but they're talking about the stories that they had with their friends and or or even later in college in the dorm rooms and things like that. And that's what I think about when I think about Goldeneye. And then that's how I equate it to Halo. So I firmly you know I could again I could be very wrong. I'm not gonna like die on the hill, but I think that the multiplayer aspect of Goldeneye absolutely influenced in some way, at least from a local perspective, Halo and like land parties and all of that. I think kind of spawned off. If GoldenEye didn't have it, we wouldn't have Perfect Dark. Then we wouldn't have this. Then Rare wouldn't be rare as at least as much. Obviously, Banjo and Conquer and all that is, sure. is fantastic. Conquer multiplayer, by the way, incredibly underrated. <laughs> um, but, Classic. I, you know, so that's that's just how I feel about that. I, I do. I mean, I'm staring at my copy of GoldenEye in my N64 right now. So I'm. I am. A little I, am
1: high. I do. It's been so long. I do want to play it again. So I hope that this like this these remasters or remakes or whatever do happen because i do want to give it another go
2: yeah mike i went back and actually played the other day and i am awful oh god uh
0: i will uh, my question i guess to you about goldeneye is would you prefer it just to hit nso natively as the n64 version or that remaster Uh,
1: that's weird kind of both i mean the weird problem is i would like to play the native version I don't know about the NSO native version. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like without actual C buttons and with like the input delay and maybe bad textures. I guess like almost more than anything, what I would really like to do is get like a Nintendo 64 on a CR uh, TV and actually play like GoldenEye as we did back then and see what that experience is like. Otherwise, I think I'd like to play whatever the remake or remaster is going to be like.
0: All right, we'll, we'll move on. We'll move on. I, I appreciate <laughs> the the conversation around GoldenEye, but you're coming up on the three-year anniversary of the 90s Disney podcast with your brothers, AJ and Chris. Congratulations, by the way, on that. Thank you. Uh, Sam and I agree that the 90s, I think we kind of alluded to it, is the best decade, especially for things like gaming and Disney. We always say we grew up in the best time ever. We grew up with technology as it kind of stands today. Uh, my favorite episode of the pod that you've done was the one on Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> One of my favorite Christmas movies. Top three for absolute sure. Uh, at least the first one. I'm not a huge fan of the other two, but no I ways. learned a lot about Tim Allen. I had no idea that man went to jail for drug. Oh, talk.
2: yeah. he was in jail for oh, a God, while. Yeah. Come on. I I that. that
0: was before, Dude, sl- before home improvement. Come on. You're slipping. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm slacking big time. I was like, listen to that pod. And I stopped doing I. Remember, stopping doing the dishes. I mean, like, the fuck did he just say?
1: It's the weirdest <laughs> thing because he was such like a family-friendly icon in the 90s, right? Like Tim Allen, yeah. the guy from Jungle to Jungle, he went to prison. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what what did inspire you guys to kind of turn to that era and make that era a podcast?
1: Well, oh, it's just so much, again, that's just when we all grew up, really. And that's when we were going to Disney World. A lot so that's what we remember what we know most about when it comes to the parks and uh the parks is a big focus for that show it's i think it's still what we get most excited to talk about the movies and stuff are also a lot of fun we do episodes about some of the animated films and some of the live action ones like santa claus you just talked about there but we do a lot of the park stuff and that's just kind of where we, we can go back to our brains very easily there and we basically have all the answers so uh Yeah, just kind of it just sort of made sense.
0: Yeah, I know this next question is kind of common, kind of boilerplate, and you've probably been asked it a lot before, maybe even at the summits or what have you that that GB does. But what advice do you have for expiring game journalists, podcasters out there? I get DMs all the time from our audience of, hey, I want to start a podcast. What would you recommend we do and i'll ask the same to you especially because you are a part of three so um what advice do you have for for podcasters and gaming journalists aspiring
1: alike gosh yeah i mean i said it earlier but so often the answer to just about everything is persistence i think you just gotta keep at it you gotta keep doing it sometimes with no expectation of um of it working out spectacularly you know Or Mm -hmm. if it certainly you're not going to have an overnight success, like I said, with games beat the size, right, which has been doing really well lately, Mm -hmm. like the first like two or three years there, you know, sometimes it felt like you were shouting into a void sometimes. Um, (laughs) Before before any of these podcasts, I did a podcast with um, just my older brother uh, from 90s Disney AJ. Uh, It was called the exploding barrel. We did that podcast for like, uh, like. 13 years, maybe longer. <laughs> we did that one for That's a long. long time. We did it weekly. You know, we never had that many listeners, but it was just something fun to do, and you learn a lot about podcasting. It's the same thing with writing. Uh, you have to write a lot. You have to start writing every day, even if you're not already writing. Just start start. start I don't a blog, which these days, I'm like, do people have blogs? But, you know, some kind <laughs> of an equivalent, yeah. and you got to start writing. You have to build up a resume. You have to start learning. You have to... It, I'll tell you what. it's. I think it's harder maybe now than it was when I got into game journals and just to get into it. Because again, I had that path through BitMob back then, which was this very specific path. Otherwise I'm not even sure how you get your foot into that door. Uh, the best advice probably is to look around and find the other people who are starting out like you find wherever that community is and start making connections there. Don't worry so much about making connections in the people who are already there. They could probably only do so much for you. But there is a next generation that's going to come up together, and it's very important to find those people now and to start kind of getting to know them and to start trying to lift each other up.
2: Very insightful. Thank Nicely you. Nicely said. Yeah. Last question before we hit rapid fire. I saw on Twitter that you're a fan of Book of Boba Fett. I myself, I saw it. I actually really enjoyed it. I've been seeing a lot of hate. What did you <laughs> think? Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen the finale yet, so I still need to do
1: that. Yeah, I think it's fun. I don't know, like I, I, kind of like wasn't watching it for first, and like the way my Twitter was reacting, I thought it was going to be some kind of a dumpster fire. <laughs> it's like, oh no, this is a fun Star Wars show. You know, people go around do Star Wars thing, and it's not a. Maybe
2: my bar is too low, but it's not aggressively stupid. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, I'm I'm not a, a huge diehard Star Wars fan. My my favorite Star Wars thing is the Mandalorian. I, I think that's the best thing in the last ten minutes of Rogue One. That's the last that's the best Star Wars ever been. I probably agree with you, Mandalorian Rogue One. Uh, yeah, the end of Rogue One. I'm like yeah, just, just I, I probably minutes.
1: yeah I'm probably more down on Rogue One than even most people. There's like a really I feel like there's a really surprisingly large amount of people who love Rogue One, and that's that's the one that baffles me. I don't want to bring anybody down for what they like, but Rogue One did not do it for me.
2: Yeah, I, they could have just played that ten minutes,
1: and I would have left. I'm like that's all I needed. I'm good. Greg, you think Rogue else.
2: One fan? I've already
1: disparaged your precious golden eyes. That happening now? Come <laughs> on, slash a
2: couple more. It's we okay. It.
0: I can't stand Rogue One. I think it's okay. Well, good. I think it's a bastardization of Star Wars. It's the thing that I never wanted. It tells me the story that was in my imagination for so many years, and now it's concrete canon, and I don't want that. I didn't want th- the bridge between three and four. I just wanted to be kind of like. Leave that to my imagination. And I, for, first of all, I never connected with the characters. I hated the story. The last 10 minutes is great, but I think it's the worst Star Wars movie. And I'm including like episode nine, Ooh. episode one in that. And I'm a
2: casual, I'm
0: not a Star Wars like, fanatic honestly, by any means.
2: That's what I feel like, like Boba Fett, like everyone always had him on this pedestal, thought he was this guy. I always thought he was, he died like the first five, 10 minutes. <laughs> right. Like, I, I always thought he was a wimp. So to see like the episode one and two, I liked his journey. And yeah. then, you know, Four, five, and six, they just kind of took it to the next level. Yeah, the seventh finale, it wasn't perfect, but they introduced enough characters that I thought they stuck the landing. So,
0: so Mike, what we're going to do now is we caught our rapid fire section. Sam has a list of questions. I have a list of questions, but we're going to go as fast as we can through them. Don't, don't feel like you have to rush through the answer, but what we would ask is that you don't think about it too long. Just kind of hit us that? with the first thing that comes to your mind. Is that okay? I'm into it, yeah all right here we go oh by the way they could have anything to do with anything not necessarily gaming or oh it's
1: random
2: i like it i think i know the first one but crinkle or curly fries curly absolutely curly don't sleep on arby's crinkle that's all i'm gonna say they're They're very salty which i actually don't
1: dislike i like salt just fine but yeah just once in a blue
2: moon i got you how many times have you been to disney
1: Oh gosh, it's been a lot. Uh, Disneyland and Disney World. I'm sure fifty at least.
2: <laughs> I went to Disneyland
1: Paris once. That
2: was fun. What was the, the best ride at Disney?
1: Gosh, the best ride at Disney. That's so hard. My my personal favorite. It's stupid, but it's called the People Mover. It's just like basic. It's just this <laughs> like little sci fi train, like a above head. And it just goes around Tomorrowland. It's just very relaxing and brisk I'm, I'm kind of a wimp so i like that the new, the new star wars ride um that rise of resistance is very cool <laughs> that is very very good
2: best place to visit in disney
1: best place to visit in disney world is the nomad lounge which is the uh this little bar lounge area in animal kingdom it's right oh. before you go into the avatar section it is just this beautiful, peaceful, relaxing little right, bar yeah, yeah. with with this whole kind of like explorer vibe. Um, they have amazing cocktails like the Tempting Tigress. These these uh, they have incredible gluten free churros. I don't forget about the gluten free thing. I don't care about that, but they just taste very good. It I'll is so that. peaceful and relaxing in there. God, I love it. That's <laughs> the best.
2: But what about the one thing to avoid at Disney and and why?
1: The one thing to avoid at Disney is Saratoga Springs. I do not like that specific resort. It's supposed to have like this, like Saratoga Springs is like this race course community. And I think New England or something. I don't know. Most of Disney is very well-themed and very interesting. Saratoga Springs is just kind of bland. It actually used to be the Disney Institute. We talked about it in our latest episode of 90s Disney. So this is actually a tie-in. So you can learn more about why I don't like Saratoga Springs if you listen to the last episode of 90s Disney. Love that.
2: Who is the best James Bond?
1: Gosh, you know, <laughs> you might have noticed I'm not the biggest James Bond yeah. fan. The <laughs> only one I actually really like that much was Casino, Casino Royale. Yep, that's... So I guess, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead. <laughs> it was yeah, just, uh, it was uh, my next question was,
2: my next question was the favorite Bond movie. So, and my favorite is Casino Royale too. And it's, and it's Daniel Craig. So, it's, right. Is that the favorite, your favorite Bond yeah, movie? Yeah, I guess it would be Daniel Craig. I yeah. mean, I, again, since I grew up in the nineties, I like,
1: always kind of think of Pierce Brosnan as yeah. James Bond a little bit, but we'll we'll say Daniel Craig. What the
2: hell? Yeah. And the last one I have is any TV or movie recommendations to our audience?
1: Gosh, I, it's so funny. I don't watch very much TV or movies anymore. I just play games, but I do love my AEW, my Wednesday night Dynamite, my Friday night Rampage. I like pro wrestling. I was off for a bit because WWE got kind of you know uh, stupid, but AEW is fantastic. I watch every week. They had a great episode last night, actually.
0: Keithley. Keith Lee yeah you're uh you're gonna love so I'm, I'll take over from here now with my list you're gonna love my first question then Mike uh describe to me AEW's impact on professional wrestling
1: I think it saved it at least in terms of professional wrestling like WWE is, is was doing it makes a ton of money and it's a very good it's very good at being a money-making entertainment company not so good for the art of professional wrestling right that was basically being held up by really small companies like Ring of Honor or um, these, you know, uh, these companies like New yes, Japan, which don't have much of a U.S. foothold. So, I think that in, at least in the U.S., it really kind of saved the mainstream pro wrestling.
0: It gave me hope. So I, I'm a professional wrestling diehard all the way back into '90s WWE. If I had a second podcast, it would be '90s WWE and <laughs> uh, or WWF, I guess. And so, like, that's my heyday, and and when they came out with the network. It was the greatest thing ever. Just that's how I fell asleep at night to old pay-per-views. And then you watch the new product and what got me back into wrestling. I took 2000 to 2000, probably 13 completely off. Um, I what saved me was CM Punk's pipe bomb promo. I think a lot oh, of people yeah. can say that that's one of the high points of WWE in its history. And then I found the product to get really stale and, Everybody's catchphrase gets says gets said every promo. Like if mm-hmm. I have to hear Bobby Roode say "Glorious"
1: one more time,
0: he's so much better than that. And so it was
1: killing me. It was like all the entrance themes started sounding exactly the same. Everything <laughs> just these, like, kind of of like it's everybody has Seth Rollins theme song as far as I can tell anymore.
0: For real. And so like, and I even got my wife into it. I'll never forget. I put on SmackDown one night. Naomi won the women's title, and I look over at my wife who's on her phone and she's crying. Yeah. And I said, honey, did you just, did you just watch that? She said, it's really good. Mm-hmm. So like we, every single week would watch two wrestling shows a week and we got, that was kind of our thing. And then I started to drift out and what AEW did for me was showed me that there can be healthy competition. There can be an indie show. I mean, that first all out in Chicago was just I mind-blowing. Was you up? up. See now I wish we had no wait. I was More
1: at, I, no actually I was in All In excuse me my mistake so I was at that like kind of pre AEW show was right. technically a Bullet Club production I was at All In
0: that's that's actually my fault what I was referring to that was when Stephen Amell went through a table forgot
1: yes name. exactly yes yeah. yes yeah, yeah so
0: that that's what I was referring to I watched that on pay per view and I was like this is what I want mm-hmm. I don't want sports entertainment so. You know, I might sound like a loser to the WWE fan base for saying this. Brock Lesnar to me is the single worst thing that ever oh, happened. God, I can't stand
1: it. Things. Come, I on, can't stand it. That, that was a big part of why it because it was when like he came back the first time he like destroyed Cena in that weird match where he just beat the hell out of Cena. Everyone like that was amazing. I was like, oh, it was certainly something. They just kept <laughs> he did the same move times. It's like okay, I guess this is just what we're doing now. And yeah, I lost, I lost interest pretty fast.
0: He he. So he is my least favorite. You know, I'll
2: say just Everything.
0: combat sports. He's my least favorite in the history of the world. And anytime he's on or back, if you will, I immediately tune out. I, my wife just told me Goldberg came back again for the 500th time. Oh,
1: yeah. Goldberg back. Uh, they all come back now.
0: It's just, it's so And then Rousey's back and Rousey's so back we're and so Sam, fans. Sam it's and I are stuff. from Philly. And, uh, I was at the rumble when Rhonda made her debut and I will never forget how fast she came down the the ramp with her duck lips just pierced together. They can, her lips are not allowed to open. She just has to have this dead stare on her face. And it's the funniest thing watching her kind of mannerisms in the ring. And then she's gone. And I'm like, finally, the women's division can breathe a little bit, live Morgan and all. And then everybody gets released. And then Charlotte (laughs) wins her 75th title. And (laughs) and I'm like, I'm going to AEW like Britt Baker's the shit. Like, let's go. So that's what it did for me. AEW I'm talking about. And like to see, All these folks from WWE get released and you just know that the cream of the crop, like the Adam Coles, like the Brian Danielsons are going to show up at AEW. even CM Punk now back. And Keith Lee just made his debut on Wednesday Night Dynamite. I'm hoping, I'm hoping, uh, we'll call him Bray Wyatt for the casual audience, but what is it, William Rotunda? I'm hoping he shows
1: up. I always just know him as Bray Wyatt. I'm hoping Gargano shows up, especially because he's a Cleveland guy. I actually saw, I used to see Johnny Gargano wrestle in like very locally. So I'm from Youngstown, Ohio one buddy actually did like um, some local indie wrestling around here. And uh, Johnny Gargano was at some of those shows back then. That's so it was awesome. always kind of funny to me seeing him um, doing really well in WWE.
0: I was at his match with Andrade Cien Almas uh, oh. takeover. I was that was the greatest wrestling match I probably ever saw live. Um, that was a five, that was a six star match, man. That was fantastic. But yeah, so to me, AEW, I, I completely agree. It saved professional wrestling. I think it's a great way to put it. I know that that's not necessarily rapid fire folks, but I I was going to (laughs) say, we saved this topic for rapid fire. Perfect. (laughs) I, I just, I didn't think I would get so passionate and I did. And I'm very excited that I did, uh, back to the more rapid fire style questions. Mike, where on earth did you get that Castlevania Christmas sweater? (laughs)
1: <laughs> i got it from konami they uh well it's so funny because they're like you know when when the when the christmas um season comes around they're like we want to send you stuff for holiday gift guides it's like well, we want to sell you this castlevania christmas player it's like okay i got it. like it's great and it's like yeah we're sold out of that now until like march i was like well that's after christmas <laughs> Like, what am i supposed to do i showed it and i told people yeah, it's awesome you can't buy it um they had a lot of good <laughs> stuff on their store at least i was <laughs> so like yeah go to their konami store i guess but yeah the Good luck on the sweater. Buy one now, I suppose, if you want one for next Christmas. (laughs) That's funny. Uh,
0: What's your dream game announcement for a future Nintendo Direct?
1: Dream game announcement for a future Nintendo Direct. I really just want Super Mario Odyssey 2. I love Super Mario Odyssey 1 so much. That's like my my favorite Nintendo game of the last 10 years, probably. I love 3D Mario platformers in general. So there's just a new one of those uh, of any kind that's good. But I really want to see Mario Odyssey get that Mario Galaxy 2 treatment.
0: For sure. And I, I can see it. I would love it. I have a theory that I'm sure I'm not the only person, but Xenoblade dropping in September leaves the holiday open. If it's not Breath of the Wild 2, mm. which it probably will be, there could be a 3D Mario to accompany the movie. I'm so psyched on the movie. I don't care about the cast. Give me the trailer. <laughs> I'm so pumped. Um, I'm ready for that one. The most. What do you think the most iconic video game console startup sound is?
1: Oh, for me it's the GameCube. That's yes, the thing I thank remember. you. Yeah, that's that's just so good. There's a lot of good ones. PlayStation had some had some really nice ones there. Yeah, uh, but GameCube is what I think. I'm just a big GameCube guy. I'm actually wearing a GameCube shirt right now. Even I love that console.
0: <laughs> See, Sam, I told you only 21 million sold, but we are a. Fierce it's so weird group. that
1: there's only that many many of them sold because it seems like it left such a big cultural footprint, right? But like, I don't. It's a shame. Uh, that was a weird time, man. PlayStation is- Two just absolutely dominated. Yeah. I, I played it, but I, I ne- never bought it.
2: Well, well it again, you're
1: part of the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nintendo. <laughs>
0: it was the, it was the lunchbox with the little discs. I mean, it was so. Uh, was, I think it was
2: the tiny disc that did it. I
1: was like, no, what am I going to do with this? <laughs> it, even, it, it had the better James Bond games with Nightfire and Night Agent Fire. Underfire.
0: Agent Underfire just got speed ran at one of the GDQs recently. I'm a big I speed I was great. I was, uh, I was a speedrunner for years and years. and then really? I retired. Is, yeah. I, what
1: kind of games did you speed run?
0: Uh, Mario, Super Mario Brothers 1. I was in the top 100. Whoa. Um, so my time is 5.12, 5 minutes Jeez. and 12 seconds for any percent. Um, I speed ran Mega Man I'm 2. I'm trying to get him out of retirement. I'm speed I, ran
1: Mega Man 2 nice. speed ran
0: Mega Man 2. I That's the one ran... with all
1: those uh, ceiling zips.
0: Yes. Yeah, so, so I do zipless. I actually don't.
1: I like, dis- I, I like that.
0: I yeah. Like I that. don't like zips in Mega Man 2 and I appreciate cool kid and all the folks that revolutionize that. Cool I, I like zipless. Um, I speed <laughs> ran mighty gun bolt burst. Uh, I'm sorry. Mighty gun bolt burst on the switch. I just
1: played that for the first time as long ago. It was super fun.
0: It was amazing. So I did New Game Plus just because I'm a wimp, and I like 30-minute runs as opposed to 60. And then sure. uh, the last game I ran was DuckTales on the NES.
1: Oh, God, I love DuckTales.
0: Yeah, God, I, think like six, I think 619 is my time. Um,
1: nice. That, so. 619, booyaka, booyaka. <laughs> uh
0: Hey, you beat Metroid Dread hard mode in under three hours. That's a freaking
1: the, the only like real flirtation with speedrunning I had was when me and Jeff were racing on that one level with Astro, Astro Astro Bot, which was a lot of fun. Yeah. I think about someday I may I may try to actually speedrun something, something stupid, like the Rocketeer game for the NES that nobody's actually running, something weird like that.
0: It's an easy world record. Like that's, I bet, that's, right? that's how you look at it, man. Could be mine. I find, I find the most obscure <laughs> Switch indies like Clash Force, and I'm like, all right, no one's playing it. I got a free world record. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Uh, yeah. So um agree. GameCube, fantastic startup. Unbelievably iconic there. What do you think the best NES era Mega Man game is?
1: Three. Uh hey, Me- quick. So, so fast. Me- Me- Mega Myth 3 is my favorite video game of all time. Wow. I love Mega Myth 3. You were talking Contra is like the first game you remember. You know, I had I had the NES in the house since I can remember, since I was born, and watching those Mega Man games is what I remember the most. And three was always the one that I just gravitated towards. I don't know why. But then, like, still just, every you know, growing up constantly, just keep going back and playing it, keep going back. I never speed ran it, but I did get a Deathless run in it once, and that made me really happy. I actually had a bottle of Don Perrion that I was saving for a special occasion, and I was like, (laughs) well, what the hell? I beat Mega Man 3 Deathless. I had a couple friends over, so that's when we broke over the Don Perrion was after that. So that was fun. Yeah, Mega Man 3 is Snake Man. It's just the best robot master the music is so good. I love the kind of revisit levels and you have the Mega Man 2 bosses showing up there. Really fun weapons. God, I, you know, Mega Man 2 great. Yeah. Let's be honest. Metal blades are broken. They're a little yes. broken. Shadow Hard. blades are balanced metal blades and they're better for it.
0: <laughs> That's fantastic. You actually took my next question. I was going to hope you were going to say Snake Man, also my favorite robot master, at least of three yeah. Um, but your favorite robot master would be Snake Man, or do you have yeah, another one?
1: Yeah, I have like vivid memories of being like five and being at my grandma's house and like being annoying to my brothers. Being, like, who's your favorite Mega Man bad guy? I don't think I knew the word robot master back then. Like, who's your favorite Mega Man bad guy? Mine's Snake Man. Mine's Snake Man. I would just talk about how great Snake Man is for <laughs> hours at my grandma's house.
0: I don't have this listed as a question, but do you have any vivid memories of the Mega Man cartoon from the
1: nineties? No, I only that we. I don't think we like ever had it air anywhere, and I was always kind of mad about it. But then, like when it like would show up somehow, I would be like, "This looks weird. <laughs> I don't like this." Uh, I never liked when Mega Man was portrayed as an adult or a teenager. Yeah. Mega Man should be a boy, right? Yeah. That, that's how he looks. You know, appealing. He's likable. I don't like weird grown up teenage Mega Man.
0: What's your thoughts on Mega Man 11?
1: I like Mega Man 11 a lot, actually. Me too. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I liked I liked the stage designs really well. I liked specifically the... I can't remember the ice guy name, but I liked how his level wasn't just an ice level. It was like a natural history museum. Yeah, I thought the double gear mechanics were, were really well done. Block Man was great. Block Man is one of my favorite robot masters in a long time. I like his design quite a yeah. bit. Yeah, Great opening uh,
0: stage, too. That's the one they yeah. recommend you start with, and it's a banger of an opening stage. Absolutely. Yeah, The ice stage had this wind mechanic towards the end of it where you had to jump across, like through right. the wind on these crazy platforms. I died so many times at that. I love Mega Man 11. I'm a huge proponent. Great speed run because of the double gear mechanic. But right. The last question we have for you tonight, um, and again, thank you so much for taking some time with us. It's been an hour. It's been fantastic. Well, uh, I-, I want you to finish this sentence for me, and I think I know your answer. Uh, the thing that frustrates me the most about the Final Fantasy Pixels re-
1: Pixel Remasters is what? <laughs> the goddamn font. God. <laughs> <laughs> like, not even, like, it, yeah, it's too narrow, but even still, it's just all wrong. Uh, I can't believe how often people get this wrong. I was actually just playing Lost Ark. And it uses, like, that same, like, ugly, sans-serif, just normal font. And, like, man, I'm playing a fantasy game, you know? Give me something with a little flavor to it. Like, I get it. It doesn't have to be, like, the pixelated font from the old times. But something that just isn't, like, a generic typeface for, you know, like, my mom printing me out instructions on how to make chocolate chip cookies. I don't know. (laughs) Something. That's great.
0: Hey, Mike. Thank you so much for taking some time to hang out with us tonight. It was an absolute pleasure to get to know you, and I wish you nothing but continued success in all your ventures.
1: Thank you, guys. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, I appreciate it. It went by really fast.
0: It did. I thought
2: I was just releasing you from WWE there. (laughs) Future endeavors! The whole time I was like, he should have put it in rapid. Once you bring up wrestling, you keep going. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Wish you all the best in your future endeavors, Mike. Uh, Hey, thank you so much. Uh, Mike, again, one more time, remind our listeners, where can they find you on social media?
1: On Twitter at Tokoto, T-O-L-K-O-T-O.
0: Mike, if you could hang on the line just one second, but thank you everyone for hanging out with us on this very special bonus episode. We hope you enjoy your Valentine's Day. If you're listening to this the day it releases, and we will see you next time on episode 271. The Akko.